The content shared on Your Life, Your Wealth Network reflects the views of the host and guests of the program only and are not necessarily the views of Cordasco Financial Network or its advisors. This media production is educational in nature and should not be construed as financial, legal, or tax advice or a solicitation or presentation of sale of any financial products or services. Please consult a professional prior to making any financial, tax, or legal decision. Welcome to the Your Life, Your Wealth Network, helping you find clarity and comfort for your life and wealth. Hey, welcome to the Your Life, Your Wealth Show. I'm John Walker from the Cordasco Financial Network, part of the Mercer Advisory Team. Today, we're going to get into a topic that we're getting a lot of questions about, and frankly, be hard-pressed to not see in the press and probably feel in your neighborhood or if you're talking to friends at a party or understanding or helping kids, it's hard to miss what is going on in the real estate market. And certainly when it comes to conversations we have with folks around inflation and interest rates and all the things that are weighing on people's minds, you can't miss the impact that real estate home prices, the demand, the inventory, everything that impacts that, which really fundamentally touches your wallet in so many different ways. It has been something that we've helped folks navigate and try to understand exactly what's happening. And it is back in the news prominently this week with the rise in interest rates and the Fed making some pronouncements around what they're going to do. And we're thrilled to welcome in a new guest to the program today that's going to really help us understand a little bit more how we got here and what we see happening ahead. So I'm thrilled to welcome Dr. Jessica Louts, who's the Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights at the National Association of Realtors. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. And so I think I'm right to say it's almost impossible to miss what's going on in the real estate market these days, right? We have folks that we work with that are realtors. We have, obviously, our clients are buying and selling homes and helping children do the same and everything else. And certainly quite a few questions are on, how did we get here? (laughs) How did we get to this place where people are buying homes in cash over asking price with non-contingent offers and waiving appraisals and all the things that we're hearing about out there in the world? Can you help our listeners understand just how we got to this place? Yeah, I guess the easy answer is we have an inventory shortage. And that inventory shortage is happening at the exact same time that we have a lot of millennials who want household formation and don't want to live with their parents. They don't necessarily want to be renters. And so they're trying to jump into the housing market. And savvy consumers are saying, you know what? I want to lock in lower interest rates right now if I can before they're are expected to rise, they're already on the rise, um, and how can I do that? And so people are jumping into the market. And then the last factor that I would say has really changed everything is the pandemic. People have decided that they can work remotely, they want to work remotely, CEOs wanna retain good talent, and so it's pushing a lot of people to the suburbs and to small towns, actually. And we're seeing this type of movement afoot all at the exact same time. And so we really do need the inventory to support it, and we don't have it. So it's a confluence of all these factors. And I'd love to dig into a little bit about that, right? So this lack of inventory is not a new problem, right? It's just been compounded by some of these other variables that have gotten into the mix, right? The pandemic and other things, supply chain issues when it comes to lumber and other building supplies, right? That's a little recency bias. But this lack of inventory, from what I understand, has been happening for some time. 
It has. It's more than a decade of underbuilding in the U.S. Uh, and all of the, the the factors that you listed are absolutely true, but they've only exacerbated during the pandemic as well. So we have four and a half to six and a half million homes that we are short in the U.S. right now. We are missing those. We don't have those. And so unless we start really retrofitting existing properties like vacant malls or hotels, motels, and putting them into uh, residential units, we have to build from scratch. And building, we know, is running into a lot of issues. And maybe that's local regulations and zoning restrictions, lack of labor, skilled labor in the trades has really been an issue, um, as well as all of the supply issues. So if anyone's tried to replace an appliance in their home, or to try and paint a room, it's just been quite impossible to find every single little product that goes into a home. And at one point during the last year, there was missing uh, supplies of silicone glue that holds down beautiful quartz countertops because everyone decided to remodel their kitchen and bathroom while they were home as well. So uh, good luck trying to find all those products to build a home. Yeah. And so it's important, I think, for our listeners to understand that this is not a new problem, but we're just seeing it, as you said, exacerbated by current situations. Right. And so I'd love to get a little deeper on another point you raised because the forced sort of enforced change in the world and and people's flexibility now with work, there has been sort of a mass migration of people. And we've seen it with the people that we work with. They've decided, you know what, I, I don't need to be anchored to that city office because I don't go there anymore. So if I can work remotely, why don't I, as you said, I'll stay in the suburbs, or we've even seen folks say, you know what, I'm going to live at the beach, or I'm going to live in the mountains, anywhere that has Wi-Fi, right? I can do what I do from anywhere. What has that contributed to this overall market? Yeah, that's certainly a factor right now. And it may not even be a primary residence property that people are buying. It could be a secondary property because a lot of people have cut spending in the last couple of years on entertainment and nice vacations. And suddenly they're able to buy this second home and they may want an escape to look at four different walls instead of the same four they've been looking at. But we do see this push to the this push to the suburbs. People are saying, I want to move there. And it's for every single generation. What I think is really fascinating right now is when we look at young millennials, so the youngest buyers out there who are in their late 20s, pushing 30, they're actually as likely to purchase in a small town right now as in an urban center. They understand I can buy my more square footage. I can have a yard. I can have this proximity perhaps to friends and family that I can't have in an urban center. And if I'm not going to work, what's the point of buying a small condo? I'd love to talk more about this, right? Because I know when we bought our proverbial starter home, right? It was sort of sticker shock for my parents and in-laws to say like, and this was years ago, you know, 15 years ago. Is that what a starter home, quote unquote, costs these days? It's almost like that doesn't exist anymore, right? That the starter home almost doesn't exist. That which is often, I think, you know, generationally, if you think historically, maybe that was in the city or smaller, Mm -hmm. that the row home, the townhouse, the twin closer to the city, maybe as the TV kind of portrays it, right? And then you you sell that eventually and you buy the big house with the picket fence and you raise your kids or whatever, you know, however the story goes. Is there any truth to that, that that's sort of evaporated? I mean, with these prices that we see today and the compression of prices, we certainly get feedback from people we work with that people have almost been priced out or that home doesn't even exist anymore. It doesn't. I would say there's a lot of factors behind that too. So it's not just that people are priced out and they may not necessarily want uh, to start in a smaller condo. 
I, there's other factors behind that as well. The Great Recession, honestly, people have a hangover effect. And if we look at young adults, they watched their parents, they watched other family members perhaps lose homes. And so when they go on to purchase their first property, whether it's because of lower interest rates, whether it's because of watching their parents go through this, they're actually saying, I want to live in this home for 10 years as my starter home. That's not a starter home anymore. A starter home used to be, I live here for five years, I'll gain some quick equity, I'll move on to my next home. It's just not happening. And so we do see this very much is a change in mindset of young consumers of first-time home buyers today. And so would logic then state that that's happening across all generations? I think of even my parents and they'll be in their home probably for still quite some time. So this single family home that may have been moved on to a younger family as the retirees moved somewhere else, fair to say that that is also compressing this market, right? People are not moving on from that home that became their family home. And so that also restricts the flow of home movement. Yeah. So there is a lot of people who say when they go on to purchase a primary residence and maybe it's a Gen X or even a boomer, they're saying, I'm planning on aging in place. I'm not moving from this. This is my forever home. It's not everyone though. And so one of the things that I think is really interesting that's happening that's actually impacting inventory quite a bit is that we used to see the typical repeat buyer when we look back at 1981 was 36 years old. Today, the typical repeat buyer 40 years later is 56 years old. That is a much older buyer. And so that is someone who's living longer, they're working longer, they're feeling confident taking on a mortgage later in life. And maybe it's a family home because they had kids later in life and everything's just kind of pushed up. But that is a big difference from what we had seen historically. So if we think back to like the silent generation or the greatest generation, and we think back to like our grandparents, they stayed put, they didn't move. And so this is really putting this crunch on inventory as we think about everyone looking to the burbs for the single family home. Well, that's every generation at this point. Right. And so it goes back to what you said in the beginning, this lack of millions of home of inventory that can't keep up with demand. Right. Right. And so it is simple supply side economics. Right. There is demand and lack of inventory. So intuitively, right, prices have risen significantly. I believe I read, and you'll correct me on the numbers because I'm sure you know (laughs) them, but I think I saw that home prices have elevated something to the tune of 15% annually, which is from what I understand, and I know, you know, you're the expert on this, that that is like an incredibly high amount for, for a single year. And in addition, that inventory of homes used to turn over in something like six months, and now that compression is down to under a month where there's so little inventory available and it's forcing buyers to get really creative and get creative with financing and maybe Mm -hmm. overpay and get really creative with how they structure their offers. The amount of folks I talk to, they're saying, yeah, I waived the inspection. And it's incredible what buyers are having to do to land the home that they're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. And those, the, all those data points are very close. So yes, See, I was close. year over year, home prices increasing. That is very strong. That That is stronger than what we would see historically with three to 5%. We do expect though, because interest rates are rising, because home prices are rising, this is going to push people out of the market. And so perhaps we're going to see less competition and towards the end of 2022, perhaps going back down to towards a historical norm of 5%. So still home prices increasing, still honestly strong, 
but not double digit pace, which we've seen, which is is extraordinary and is not honestly a healthy market at that point. Um, we do see an, a quarter of home buyers, they're waiving inspections, they're waiving appraisal contingencies, a quarter of buyers paying all cash. That's that's a very unusual market. That's not something that we would have historically seen. It certainly is, but it does, I guess, speak to the strength of buyers. There were a lot of fears, I guess, with the recovery from the pandemic and otherwise, but it speaks to maybe some of these other economic factors that people maybe dismiss, but the rising GDP, the rise in wage growth, the Mm -hmm. aggregation of wealth and accumulation of wealth that actually happened through a major pandemic is kind of historically fascinating, but also unusual, right? That folks actually got wealthier, some, let's caveat that, some folks got wealthier during an incredibly challenging time. And in our space, market returns were phenomenal during a really challenging economic environment or climate, right? So folks are purchasing homes, they're doing it in all cash, they're doing all of these things. It begs the question, and we get asked it all the time, so I'd love your thoughts on this, is, is this a sort of a bubble? Is this false? Is this really Mm -hmm. real? And we often say, if you look at the underlying fundamentals, no, because the interest rate environment is real. It's been depressed for quite some time, right? So the cost of funds is very low. It's not artificial, right? There is incredible demand and lack of inventory. So of course, things are more expensive. People ask, is the bottom going to drop out? But from what you're saying, it sounds like this is kind of going to be a part of the new normal. Home values may normalize at some of these elevated levels. Is that what your data says? Absolutely. And we absolutely agree with everything that you just said. I I think the other thing to be underscored there as well is that when people think about the boom and the bust and housing and people get really nervous and they think back to 2008, we don't see the same fundamentals, but we don't see the same fundamentals in the mortgage market either. There's no funny loans. There's no cats qualifying for mortgages. You honestly have to have incredibly tight finances and have the wealth to be able to enter in to today's housing market. And if you don't, you're you're not gonna get a mortgage, but also your seller who is considering your offer is not gonna take your offer because they have five others that they are willing to look at with solid finances and they want to take the one that's gonna get to the closing table and be uh, financially stable to do so. And so you have to think about your entire offer as a home buyer today. And part of that is your financial structure. How What are you bringing to the table? How, how strong are your finances? That is such a great point, right? And part of the fallout from the economic crisis previously was a change in regulatory status when it came to mortgages. And you're right, there are no like funky, no doc arms, right? That doesn't <laughs> exist anymore, right? So yeah. you, you make a great point that buyers that are qualifying for these mortgages are qualified. We probably see or hear more feedback around how the pendulum has swung to the other end, right? It's onerous to qualify for a mortgage. Maybe that's why we're seeing more cash. People don't even want to go through the process, maybe. Right. The other thing that I would say with the all cash offers is there are new entrepreneurs and tech companies that have popped up to make an offer look like it's all cash, but it may not necessarily be all cash. Um, So you may finance that purchase afterwards, but that's after the closing table. One of the things we haven't chatted too much about, and I think it's worth underscoring, is just the wave of young adults who are entering into the buying market. The biggest share of young adults that we have in our country right now, the biggest share of any population that we have in our country, is between the age of 26 and 32. The median age of a, of a first-time home buyer coming into the market, first-time home buyer, is 33. 
we don't have enough inventory to support all of the adults who want to be first-time homebuyers. And I think that's really important to note is there's about 24 million Americans who may not be mortgage ready, but they absolutely believe that homeownership is their American dream and they want to be homeowners. And so I think we need to be prepared that the inventory that we're missing today, it's not going to be something that we can build homes quickly and we'll have enough properties. We really have to think about this creatively. And that is a really great point. And that demographic shift, right? We get that question. It raises such an interesting point, right? Is that folks ask us too about when it comes to the stock market, right? What about this generational wealth that's going to go get passed down? This aging out of the adult population in the United States, right? All of that money, where's it going to go? It might be in the market today. And one of the counter arguments is, as you spoke to, there is a generation, the largest population in our country is in that demographic you just spoke to. And guess what they're doing? They're doing everything that you just said. They're not only looking to buy their first home, and it is alarming, as you just pointed out, that we don't have the inventory to support that. So that would indicate, right, home values are going to stay where they are. Demand's not waning anytime soon. But Mm -hmm. those folks are also working. They're contributing. They're paying taxes. They're contributing to 401ks, hopefully, or saving. They're putting money away for retirement because, to your earlier point around what they learned, the lessons they learned from the economic crisis, they lived that as they watched their parents probably struggle through that. And so their mindset is very much oriented towards home purchases, saving for retirement. So they're Mm -hmm. plowing money into 401ks. They're putting money into the market. They're accumulating wealth to put down payments on understanding that they are going to have unique challenges in buying their first homes. And so this idea that somehow this is all going to fall apart, the demographics speak very differently to that. Mm -hmm. They do. They do. Absolutely. I mean, we have to just think that the millennial generation is the biggest generation since the boomers and they are absolutely in good graces with their parents. And so that generational wealth will be inherited. We already know that a lot of generational wealth is being transferred into homeownership as well. Uh, more than a quarter of first-time homebuyers have mom and dad's help to enter homeownership. It's nearly a third. So if we think about just that generational wealth transfer that's already happening, it's only going to accelerate moving forward. That's such an interesting point, right? So one of the ways that they're supporting their children getting started is by helping, I'd imagine, with down payments and other things, right? So And recognizing that we're in an environment where they're going to need that support, right? Because of how much it's now costing to buy your first home. What are your thoughts as we speak to this? We're saying it's because of the cost and demand and what things are costing. What about this environment we're coming into with interest rates? How much of an impact is this rise in mortgage rates? You said it might decelerate some of it, but what does the data show, right? Obviously, as funds get more expensive, right? If you could get a mortgage a year ago for 30 years at 3%, and now that same term, a 30-year mortgage, is now at 4%, right? Your payment's going to be dramatically different. What is the anticipated impact of this rising interest rate environment on this real estate market that we're seeing today? Yeah, I mean, there's just going to be buyers who can't actually get there, who can't qualify anymore because of both rising prices and rising interest rates. That's just how it's going to work out. And maybe that means a smaller down payment, but that means a a bigger uh, mortgage payment that you would be making on a monthly basis. And some people just won't be able to do that. And so I think it's all a matter of calculations at the end of the day. And unfortunately, in this rising interest rate environment, that, that really is what we're looking at. The other thing that we know, too, is that 
with inflation, there's a lot of investors who are saying that homeownership is a hedge against inflation. So they're seeing more competition as well. So a good opportunity for investors for sure, but difficult for those first time home buyers and those who are on the lower, more affordable end of the spectrum. Is it fair to say, and there's, I've seen articles purporting this, that there's, because we now have a little window into what interest rates are going to do, they've actually accelerated, I think, quicker than folks anticipated. There's almost been a rush to the door, right? Everyone's rushing to try to get in now, which probably is only exacerbating the problem in the current state, right? Does the data back that up that there's been a- Okay. Yeah, we are absolutely seeing that. So we had been seeing two to three offers for every home that was listed. And actually, in, in the most recent month's data, we're actually seeing closer to five. So there's there's a heat that's been turned up on buyers. They're trying to lock in those low interest rates. One of the things that our chief economist, though, that he is expecting is that rates have actually proactively risen, that we're not necessarily going to see rates rise too much more for the 30-year fix. So they're already at 4.5%. He doesn't expect that it's going to hit necessarily above 5 by year end. So we might be near the top here. Um, And still, if we look at these rates historically, they're still incredibly low. You talk about competition, right? And increasing Mm -hmm. competition in the short term. But there is, again, some recency bias there. When you think about historic interest rates, right? And we have all probably heard the stories of our grandparents and everything else when they bought their home. My first home, the interest rate was 17%, right? Because they bought it in the 70s. We are still in a incredibly historically low rate environment. And there should, one would guess, and typically this is what happens, and I don't know if it will in this environment, but because of the demand, but typically that change in interest rates, right, the rising cost of debt, it should stabilize prices a little bit, right? That could be the flip side of the coin. And so while it may be a little more expensive to finance your mortgage, you may be getting it at your home value. The prices may come down a little bit to reflect that change, right? Is that fair to say? That is typically, historically, what happens. It will help normalize the market, but it remains, I guess, to be seen if that's going to happen in this environment where demand is off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. And so instead of home prices rising 15% year over year, they would be moderating to 5% year over year. That's still a strong pace. That's still historically a strong pace, but not as strong as it has been. So if all of these factors happen, right, if rising interest rates price some buyers out of the market, if it makes it a little more expensive, if home values come down a little bit, right, pricing folks out of the market could limit demand. In fact, I would offer that maybe in the investor space, too, when it's real inexpensive to borrow money and then go purchase something as an investment, it's a little more attractive when interest rates are lower, right? So that could even lead to less demand on the investor side when it comes to the real estate market. So there could be some stabilization coming that people might appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. And for first-time homebuyers who are able to enter into the market, who perhaps have mom and dad's uh, down payment assistance, maybe there will be less competition in months moving forward. But, you know, I think a little bit of it is a guessing game because we know that there's a lot of young adults who want that household formation. And investors may not necessarily finance that purchase as well. So they may be seeing rising rents and saying, oh, this is a good time to jump in. And it's a hedge against inflation. So, Jessica, we covered quite a bit here. I'm certain that our listeners are listening and saying, but where are we going, right? What do we think is going to happen? And obviously, it's really hard to predict. We say in our investment business all the time, past performance is not indicative of future results, right? We don't necessarily know what's going to happen. We can look at history as a guide. But where do you guys see 
this market moving? What are you guys thinking is going to happen over the next period of time as we see this confluence of factors come together, rising interest rates, unprecedented demand, supply chain issues, lack of inventory? What happens next for the real estate industry? Yeah, so I think when we look forward to the end of the year, the biggest thing that we'll have to keep in mind is there's probably going to be a little less competition from home buyers because prices are still rising and rates are rising. And so it's going to price people out. So we may see slightly lower sales for the year, maybe on track to the last year, uh, but slightly down. And I think I would say that for homeowners out there, you're still going to see rising equity. You're still going to be happy with what you're going to be gaining uh, through homeownership. So that that's certainly a good thing as well. Um, and for any potential home buyers or folks that you're trying to help get into the home buying market, I would just say to be patient um, and to make sure that you're well educated and really have your financial house in order when you go into that home search process, because there's a lot of competition still. Yeah, I think you're spot on, and I think that all will come true. Thank you so much, Dr. Jessica Louts, the Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights at the National Association of Realtors. Just thrilled to have you as a part of our program today. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a great conversation. Thanks again for joining us, Jessica. As you heard us discuss quite a bit in today's episode, we talked a lot about younger generation and the demand and the generational shift, how home ownership is an aspirational goal and a part of the American dream, as Jessica shared with us. And you might be thinking, how does that impact me? I'm not in that stage of life, but it does. It does impact you because the demand that we are seeing is a huge contributor to the increase in prices and value in the market. And that is showing no signs of slowing down. In fact, the demographics say that it can continue and they're continues to be a shortage of inventory available for those folks looking to purchase homes. So when you're thinking about the real estate market and how it impacts your wallet, it's incredibly important to understand how all of these factors contribute to what we're seeing, the rise in prices, the rise in equity that you may have in your home, and things that you need to consider, whether you're retiring or thinking about your first home or helping your children buy their first home, these are all things that are going to impact you and your wealth. We may not be realtors. Our team here certainly understands the impact to your wallet of buying and selling homes and the impact that rising interest rates may have on you and your money. You can talk to me or anyone on our CFN team. Give us a call at 855-558-3500. That's 855-558-3500. Or email us anytime at asksteve at cfnplan.com. That's asksteve at cfnplan.com. We're always here to help. Thanks so much for listening to the Your Life, Your Wealth show. I'm John Walker. Have a great week. If you're interested in learning more about applying the principles we discuss to your personal financial circumstances, please visit Cordasco Financial Network at cfnplan.com.